0: I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not so famous cases
1: of Moida, ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Debunking indeed. Debunking indeed.
0: <laughs> it's our band and name. allegedly's.
1: <laughs> allegedly debunking indeed. Allegedly
0: debunking indeed. Say that 10 times fast. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we, are, we are headed towards a new year, Gabby Oh my gosh, I know That's wild uh, When this episode releases, they're only going to be a couple days away, I think, from the new year That is an accurate statement, yes yeah. It felt appropriate As we head into the year 2022 That we go in Dancing Oh Okay. Uh, see, I got you there, didn't I? <laughs> I was like, are we going to dance on Zoom? We're not going to dance on Zoom. Um, but my, my topic today has a little bit to do with some dancing. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Uh, and actually what's funny is I found a little poem that was written oh. <laughs> about the case I'm going to be talking about. And I thought it, it summed it up pretty nicely. So I'm going to share it with y'all.
1: Ooh, I'm so excited. When Kim reads poetry, what? What a nice intro. What's
0: awesome is that this was obviously translated from another language, so it Uh it does not rhyme, but I think it's supposed to. (laughs) Oh, no. Because this was around the time that the case takes place. So hundreds of people started in Strasbourg to dance and jump, men and women, on open market alleys and streets, day and night. They did not eat much, just so much that they could dance again. St. Vitus' dance, this plague is called. It's beautiful, isn't it? Wait, it's a dance plague? Yeah, so today what we're going to be talking about is the bizarre and strange case of the dancing plague of 1518. Oh, I'm so excited. This sounds so cool. It's a little, little bit of a lighter fare than my last episode. Oh <laughs> so no. I needed I needed a brain break from from child murders, what can I say? That's fair. Uh and I I know this goes without saying um we are dealing with more than our normal level of distance from the original sources. Like we're talking about a case from 1518. Yeah, that's a long time ago. The printing press is still fairly new. It's actually a miracle we have the level of accounts that we do. Uh, A man by the name of Theophrastus von Hohenheim. Oh my God, that's a great name. Hashtag Kim's favorite names. He's more commonly known as uh, Paracelsus or Paracelsus. I'm thinking it's Celsus. He traveled to the town where this occurred in 1526, so eight years after the fact. But Paracelsus, who was a Swiss physician, philosopher, and alchemist, he interviewed residents and did his own little investigation, and he recorded things pretty meticulously. They showed up, uh, the the case showed up in a, a number of books that he wrote. I used John Waller's book, The Dancing Plague, The Strange True Story of an Extraordinary Illness extensively for my research for this episode so if you're interested in going supremely in depth on the subject I recommend you check his book out sure but uh shall we get to it yes let's do this dance shall we so it is July 14th of 1518 the town of Strasbourg Alsace which today Strasbourg is part of France it is near the border of Germany. But in 1518, it was part of the Holy Roman Empire. A, a. So to, to kind of give you an idea of what else was happening in 1518 or around 1518, uh, Henry VIII was king of England and still on wife number one. Okay. Martin Luther is saying peace out to the Catholic Church and creating Lutheranism. And Portugal, Spain, and England, and France were in the process of transporting enslaved Africans to South America and the Caribbean to work their plantations. A little slice of what was going on in the world then got it. Uh, this noted, is, yeah, just you know we little check to kind of give you a frame of reference. This is also a time where you've got a fair bit of civil and religious unrest, and you've got plagues you've got famines in fact. The town of Strasbourg specifically had been hit a few years prior by bad crops and what was known as sweating sickness. What? Uh, I think that's like, for me, that's just what happens when I go to the gym. Um, I was going to say
1: that's like a fever too.
0: Well, it was really nasty. Uh, It was this bizarre disease. It hit Europe in the late 1400s, but it disappeared By 1551. That's the last record we have of it. Huh. People suffering from the disease would be hit first with a feeling of anxiety or dread. So, you know, my everyday life. And then they would sweat. And I mean, like, sweating. Not like, it's a little hot outside. I'm perspiring a little. I'm slightly dewy. Oh, no. Like, like, just... Sweat pouring. pouring out of your body. And you'd have headaches, other body aches, and an intense thirst, which I mean you're sweating out all your water. So you're so dehydrated. You're I get dehydrated. It. But like yeah. the disease worked really fast. Um, most people either recovered if they were going to recover or died within a day. Oh my gosh. And you weren't immune to it once you had it. So you could come uh-uh. down with it multiple times, oh, survive, God. and then still die of it. Oh no. Yeah, so that sucks. Um, but July 14th of 1518. It is a seemingly normal day in Strasbourg. A woman by the name of Frau Trophia. Oh my goodness. She left her home and she started dancing. We know little about her beyond her name. And some people even dispute the name. But, but this was in a, a more than one account. that It was a woman named Frau Trophia. Uh, so she's dancing. No one knows why. She will not stop. Uh-oh. Her husband's like, "Honey, <laughs> the neighbors are watching." Oh no! Uh, which they were. People are like, <clears throat> "There's a woman just dancing here." I mean, I sure. stop and watch that. You know? Yeah, that's just like hanging out at Venice Beach on a regular day. Right? Or, like, someone gets on top of a table at a bar. I'm like, what's this person doing? I'll watch this. And It catches your attention. It's yeah, entertainment, yeah. Free. But she seemed to not be in control of it. Not everybody believed that was the case, though. Apparently some thought she was doing this because, quote, nothing annoyed her husband more than dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, like, her little middle finger to her husband's. <laughs>
1: That's great. I love that. Well,
0: And I have to say, like, the quickest way to get me to do something would be for my imaginary husband to say don't do it. Oh, for sure. 100%. This might be why I'm single. Oh, no. (laughs) But, like, I respect that, you know? Bitch, don't tell me not to dance. No. According to accounts later given to Paracelsus, the moments before she started dancing, her husband asked her to do something she didn't want to do. So this... You know, some people thought, well, she's just doing this to spite him. But I, I also just wonder if maybe all was not right in the house of Trophia. That's fair. That's a fair There's assessment. Some tension between husband and wife. Sure. But her dancing continues into the evening. And people are stunned, mystified. They, they just do not understand what's happening. And when she finally does stop dancing, it's because she literally dropped down from exhaustion into sleep. Oh, dang. Okay, can I ask a question? Sure. What type of
1: dancing was mm. this exactly?
0: You know, and it's, it's I think I'm. I have a note to talk about this later in the episode, but that's kind of one of the problems is that it is not super specific. Okay. Which to me is almost part of the problem with diagnosing. Yeah. Because there's medical conditions that could cause you – to move in such a manner that some might interpret as dancing, that's why I was asking, yeah, uh, well and and with this case specifically, I think something neurological in terms of like like a, I'm thinking like epilepsy or, or parkinson's, I think we can rule it out because of the sheer massive amount of time, which I will be getting to fair, so next morning. She wakes up from her exhaustion, and you know what she does, Gabby? Does she dance? She dances! She is the lord of the dance! Oh, no. And at this point, anyone who thought this was her being spiteful towards her husband was like, Oh, uh, maybe it wasn't. Because, again, it does not stop. Oh yeah, And so she dances a second day and a third day. And a fourth day. What? Are you serious? I am absolutely serious. Um, But, I mean, again, to your point, I'm fascinated. Like, what sort of dance consumes someone in this fugue state? Is it, like, the Macarena? <laughs> the Hustle? <laughs> the Hand Jive? And even more so, I mean, like... Like you said, calling something dancing. Was it with purpose? Was it... I just... I have so many questions. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Watch out. Kim's got questions. Kim's got questions. Hashtag Kim's got questions. Uh, So people are getting uneasy. Why is this woman dancing? Is it witchcraft? Is it the devil? P.S. I love the idea of the devil being like, how can I mess with people? I'm going to make someone dance. <laughs> I mean, it worked. <laughs> it, it worked. Although, you know what? What's funny is that the line of thought that it was that it was something like that didn't last long. Uh, the cause was actually looked at as being something divine. That's quite opposite. I, I cannot fathom also the physical pain her body had to have been in. After dancing like this, there's no indication of her age either in um, hmm. the account. So I don't know if she's a young woman or an older woman or somewhere in between, but like she's dancing until she's collapsing. And then as soon as she's able, she is dancing again. So what the people decide is that Saint Vitus, 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 Vitus who uh, was the patron saint of actors, dancers, entertainers, and the like, that he was punishing her with darts. <laughs> so by the sixth day of this frantic dancing, authorities decreed that she had to be led to Saverne. And Saverne was a chapel dedicated to St. Fittus that was located about 30 miles away from town. Mm -hmm. She is put in a wagon. It's like July 20th. She is taken to pray for forgiveness or whatever. (laughs) And unfortunately, this is where the accounts of what happened to her basically ends. We don't know. I mean, we can assume she lived through it. I feel like there would have been a note someone would have said something about her not living through it. But sure. I also, you know, by the time that Paracelsus in 1526, by the time he was there interviewing people, she doesn't seem to have been there anymore. Like, she wasn't one of the people they interviewed or he interviewed. And so, I mean, either she moved somewhere else, mm-hmm. which happened, but I mean, yeah. it wasn't, you know, that wasn't something you just did not in 1518 um or she would passed which is more likely which is more likely but again we do not know she could have been on the elderly side even going into this although her body survived six days of like dancing non-stop so she had to have been hardy enough for that uh but this was not the end uh-oh because by July twenty first, there are accounts of as many as thirty four people taking to the streets, dancing. Would you call it a flash mob? Oh, good lord! How do you know? I was like, what kind of puns is Gabby gonna come up with? And flash mob did not occur to me. So that's How? shame on Kim. That's shame on Kim. Listen, Gabby, my mind works very differently than yours. I know. That's why we get along.
1: We're the ying to the yang, truly. We're the yin to the yang.
0: So, um, the number was growing. Like a flash mob. From the 34. Like like a mother effing flash mob. (laughs) People observing seemed to be overtaken from merely watching the dancing happening too. Mm -hmm. like a flash mob. (laughs) And again, the accounts of what this dancing looked like were non existent. So, is the flash mob? Did somebody plan this for someone's birthday? Are they dancing with each other? The descriptive words I found from accounts were words like wicked. Uh Uh-oh. And nasty. Ooh. Nasty and wicked. Wicked and nasty. (gasps) Wicked and nasty, though. Sadly, wicked and nasty does not paint the best word picture. (laughs) I mean, it does, but not of dancing. (laughs) That is fair. So time is passing. It's not getting better. Physicians are being consulted. And this time, they're like, okay, it's not divine. These people are suffering from hot blood. Or fever. Okay, that makes more sense. When you kiss me. No? Okay. Uh, (laughs) The dancing was necessary to get rid of this hot blood, to get rid of this fever. So the dancing went from something that needed curing to being the cure. Okay. By July 25th, those dancing had increased to about 50 people. To try and help those who were dancing, buildings are cleared out so the dancers could be kind of corralled somewhere. And then ultimately what, what the authorities did is that they moved the town market so that people could be put in this bigger space because the numbers, again, continue to grow. And then musicians are brought in to provide music for those dancing. A stage is built. So they, they would be like, dancers moved to the stage so everybody could see them. Uh-huh. And they even hired, the city would then hire professional musicians to accompany those who were dancing. Wow, what
1: a production.
0: It, I honestly, I would love to have witnessed this. Just fascinating. Um, and some dancers would tire. Much like before with Frau Trophia, she, you know, they would collapse from exhaustion. But also, like, it's July. It's hot. It's hot. Yeah. yeah. It's hot. And so since the whole idea was to keep them dancing so they could dance the fever out, authorities put up, like, refreshment areas so people could keep their strength up. So to keep this, like, grand party rocking along, they're hiring people also to dance with those afflicted and to encourage everybody to keep moving. Oh, No. One witness would actually later say they danced day and night with those poor people. Guards were employed to keep an eye on those dancing so they didn't hurt themselves or stop moving. Wait, what? (laughs) Well, because again, they had to dance the fever out. That was the only way to cure themselves. But like, it's miserable. You have people just collapsing left and right from exhaustion and the numbers aren't going down, they're going up. So they're... They'd be dancing for days and days and days on end, and according to accounts that people would later give, frauds were trying to benefit from the situation.
1: When are they not trying to benefit from the situation (gasps) is my question.
0: But here's the thing, and this is where, you know, the authenticity of some of those dancing had come into question. The city is providing people with refreshments, with food, with water, with wine. And this is a city that had a very, very bad crop. You have a lot of people who are devastatingly poor. You have people who are hungry. If I'm starving and I see all these people dancing and I could get free food and free booze if I pretended like I was afflicted. That's fair. I would do it too. I Like, I, I cannot blame a single person who who pretended to be afflicted because they just wanted the refreshments.
1: I guess my brain went to, like spiritualism and people trying to take advantage of other people by faking it. But this was less.
0: Yeah, because I mean, again, this wasn't um, no one was trying to take advantage outside of uh, maybe again getting a free glass of wine and like a sandwich. That's fair. Uh, And there were those who joined in apparently in hopes of maybe curing other ailments they had as well. But as time is passing, those in charge started to doubt if this was actually a working or a good idea because nobody seemed to be getting better. But also, now a few of them have started to die? Uh Uh-oh. And, like, word of this happening is spreading. Beyond the city to other regions. In fact, nearby in Nuremberg, a man by the name of Lucas Rem. He worked as a merchant, but he kept an extensive diary, and he wrote of the epidemic. He wrote, quote, in the year 1518, in summer, lots of people died of the St. Vitus Dance in Strasbourg. About 15 people died a day. Oh, my gosh. Now, it's hard to know how accurate this number was, because, especially long term. Right. By August, some of the estimates put the number of dancers at 400. But to me, it's a stretch that a number that large was consistently dying a day. Sure. Others estimate that the number of dancers was 200. And either way, I mean, you have a couple hundred at least infected and and a figure described as many dying. But we do not know the numbers beyond that because this happened 500 years ago. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, But we know that people's hearts were giving out people are having heart attacks, um, they're having strokes. Records do suggest that some people were recovering from this need to dance, but so many dying finally gave the physicians that eureka moment of like, oh shit, maybe we're making it worse by telling people to keep going. So now they're looking for a new plan. And records show that those afflicted are now being confined with their families, who are basically told to like, keep an eye on them, make sure no one else is catching it. Um, And the other option was to be taken again to the shrine of St. Phinus. But this isn't working. So an ordinance was sent out on August 10th of 1518, and it said, as the dancing disease starts now to be more widespread again, our concerns grow from day to day. Which also, P.S., can we just talk for a moment about how, like, As I was researching this, there was moments I was reading some of these quotes from records and whatever. And I'm like, I know that the coronavirus is such a very, very different thing. I couldn't not think about it. I'm really glad you 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 mentioned it. It's
1: just like, it's so apparent and we can't pretend it's not
0: there that it's like because like even with this quote if i change the word dancing disease to coronavirus as the coronavirus starts now to be more widespread again our concerns grow from day to day (laughs) like wow so accurate
1: i'm gonna pull my collar out now
0: and be like yeah so no i yeah no it, it occurred to me as i was researching this i was like i mean i know they're talking about dancing but relevant yikes uh, so those afflicted are now being viewed as being morally punished. It was decreed that those dancing, quote, be subdued or brought to St. Vitus and to allow them no sort of stringed of music or celebration, no jewelry or beautiful clothes, and also not to let them loose to run in the streets. Rude. Rude, right? If I want to run in the street, I want to run in the street. Also, you don't
1: need to be afflicted to run in the street, you know? That's true it's just fun
0: uh so to further appease saint Vitus, workers were sent to Severn to build a new chapel because they're like hey we'll give you a fancy new chapel maybe make the people stop dancing time is passing and the only cure that seems to be working is sending people to saint Vitus to be absolved of this shenanigans is that the official title Shenanigans. Shenanigans. The dancing Shenanigan, plague. Shenanigan dancing. We're going to start new TikTok craze. Oh no. Uh, it's not enough though. The the weeks are passing and people are still dancing. So it was agreed that the entire city should make a sacrifice to the saint. What does that look like? Okay, so not like, you know, burn somebody at the stake. Um, the sacrifice would be an image of Saint Vitus made of wax, seated in a boiling cauldron. Now, you might be asking yourself, hey, why a boiling cauldron? Why? So it was said that that Vitus, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly, but there you go, that he was thrown into a cauldron of boiling tar and molten lead and he survived because he's a saint and it's a miracle. Huzzah. Huzzah. But he, he's often depicted as being in a cauldron. So, That's fine. I don't know. Like, to, to me, that seems more like a taunt, but whatever. I'm not a saint. So, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, they're going to make this like wax statue situation, and they're going to use 110 pounds of wax. That's a lot. It's a big ass candle. That's a
1: big ass candle. It's a big ass candle.
0: And they're hauling all the dancers over to the shrine. And around August 20th, so this is now a month later. A month of dancing. A month of dancing, more than a month of dancing, a month plus a couple days of dancing. They make this big ass candle and they send it up to the shrine. And it takes a stretch to get everybody up there, but they do. Each dancer is given a small cross and red shoes. Dorothy? I want red shoes! <laughs> But, okay, so no, the red shoes is actually really significant because red dye. In the 1500s, red dye was expensive. Huh. Like, among the most expensive dyes, which is why you would only see wealthy people wearing red. And you think about, I mean, again, I was raised Catholic, so the higher ups in the church had red articles adorning them, but not the lower clergy. Right. There's a number of theories about the significance of the red shoes, um, but the real reason has been lost to history. Huh. So a mass is said for them. They're also each given a penny to put in the poor box. They're escorted uh, around and then out of the chapel. And by all accounts, this seems to work. It wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't like all of a sudden everybody was like, I'm cured. But over the next few weeks, it died down and no new cases were starting. And then it stopped. Huh. So what happened? We do not know for sure. Okay. There are theories... Ooh, ooh. Are there aliens? Did aliens make them dance? You know what's funny? Of all the theories I read, and I read a couple that were a little bit <clears throat> moldery. Uh, aliens uh, aliens never came up. Oh, damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. But do you want to start a new theory? Missed we can start a new theory. Do you want, Gabby, you want to start a new theory? You can do it. You can start a new theory. I'm going right to marinate now. on it.
1: I'm going to let you tell okay. me the theories first, and then okay. maybe I'll give you a
0: surprise one at the end. I'm I'm looking forward to this. So, um one of the most popular theories and it's one that's put forth by by Waller in his book is good old-fashioned mass hysteria. Yep, yep, yep. And I I talked a little about the struggles that people were going through in Strasbourg, uh famine, disease, and some pretty extreme religious ideas. The constant tragedy and struggle left people feeling defeated, which could lead them Which could leave them open to the idea that they were genuinely plagued by something and unable to stop. That's fair. Uh, Another theory is that the people were infected with a toxin. So there is this fungus. It can grow on rye. It's called um, ergot. Ergot. If you eat it, uh, ergot poisoning or ergotism can cause hallucinations spasms. Oh, look at that. Delusions. And gangrene. <laughs> which nobody really had. Yeah, the gangrene didn't really come true. Um, but it's also chemically similar to LSD. Uh-oh. Uh, and this was fun. So do you know that there was another time in our history when ergot poisoning is one of the theories for some supposedly supernatural things happening? You want to guess what that time was? The 60s? No, that was just drugs. <laughs> that, was just, that was just drugs. That was like actual LSD. That's that like was legit. honest to God LSD. No. A little time and a little place called Salem, Massachusetts. <gasps> oh, really? It is possible. Um, it, is, it is a theory that's been put forth and, and supported by, by some historians that people were suffering from ergot poisoning and that was why they were so convinced some of these things were happening. And actually, there's a a brilliant horror film called *The Witch*. Oh, I love that movie! It's fantastic. Do you know what's really really subtle? So the the crops are having some problems. You see them with yeah. these crops with rye. Uh huh. Uh huh. Is that it? Well, it's one of the things that's like one of the possibilities about what's happening in that movie is that, that the family is suffering from ergot poisoning and actually hallucinating and that it's not supernatural.
1: That's such a Scully moment. I can't even mm-hmm.
0: fathom it. Um, so it, is it possible that these dancers were poisoned and suffering from spasms and fits? And that's where I also, again, come back to this idea of what did this dancing look like? Sure. But was it brought on by bad rye? Um, it's possible, although detractors of this argument do point out that there was a, a lack of gangrene. That's true. Okay. And that spasms don't necessarily equate to dancing. That's also true. Al- well, and also, if people are dancing for multiple days, it could be argued. Like, they'd have to continue ingesting the poison, otherwise it was eventually going to work itself from their system. Fair. I mean, maybe it was a combination. Maybe Urgut poisoning, like, kicked off mass hysteria. Who knows? Best of both worlds. Other than aliens, or maybe you want to enlighten us on the aliens, do you you have any theories about what was going on?
1: Well, uh, I was so enthralled by all of these theories that you just presented that anything that was in my brain now feels like it would be dumb. I'll take Uh, it. But I would like to think Aliens. Alien duh. Like <laughs> it makes me want to go to the place of alien comedy.
0: And like <laughs> think of like Alien com- they're like a stand up <laughs> alien comic, or we're gonna tell alien jokes.
1: Maybe both? Okay. Um, I don't know. You pick your own, choose your own adventure of like, I don't know. Let's say hypothetically (laughs) music is a thing that aliens discovered and we didn't know about it yet. Sure. And they possessed these people or like kidnap them and put music in their heads and made them dance. And then put them back on earth. And the only way that they could... Get the alien juice out of their system was by dancing.
0: I deeply wish people could see my face right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you told me to give you a theory. I knew no, it was and,
0: bad. And you gave me a theory. Good for you. Good for you, Gabby. You I gave did me a my homework. You did. Okay. Um, okay, so I feel like it's important to note again the lack of fully accurate or detailed records. Uh, for the most part, when the stories are being recorded, like, a chunk of time has passed, right? Right. So, how much is being misremembered? How much is being embellished? The story, the more a story is told, it's like a giant game of telephone? Telefono! And the more it changes, the more it evolves. Okay, so this is all very weird, right? But how would you react if I told you... This is not the only time something like this has happened. What? Yeah. So, multiple times over the centuries, there have been incidents, sometimes involving groups, sometimes individuals, who have been struck with the compulsion to dance. What's weirder still is that apart from the idea of dancing, these cases are not necessarily... Connected. Huh. For example, uh oh. Are you familiar with a little dance called The Tarantella? No. Oh. See, I was thinking that moment in Peter Pan. Hook goes, A Tarantella! And he has a whole little... That's a deep cut right there. Like, I think I see a spark, a gleam, a glimmer of a plan, with which perhaps it may redeem my honor as a man. Kidnap the Wendy, seize the boys, and you'll have something about Hook and the children to walk the pike. Sure. And Wendy's going to be their mother. Hey! And then they go like, to the ship, to the ship, to the... No? Okay. I'm going to stop. Is that what the dance is called? The, ship. the tarantella. It there, yeah, it's a tarantella. That's it's. He says a ta- he. The, the whole bit is he says to Smee, like we're going to have a dance a tarantella, and the crew all goes a tarantella, a tarantella, a tarantella. Okay, I'm gonna stop.
1: I'm not familiar with these things, but also I know you are, so that's fine. Well, Continue. okay. Beyond
0: musical theater, a tarantella is a dance in Italy. Okay. And this is something, so I'd heard of a Tarantella before. I had not heard of the origins, and digging into this was fascinating. The origins vary a little, again, depending on the source, but apparently it evolved, it had developed as a cure for Tarantism, which is a hysterical reaction that can cause an extreme need to dance, all because you were bit by a spider, was it, like, from a
1: tarantula? Okay. Is that where a tarantula yes. came from? No,
0: okay, so oftentimes it is misreported as a tarantula, like the hairy spider kind of tarantula. It is not the same type of spider. It is the Lacosa tarantula, which is part of the wolf spider family, and they look distinctly different. I looked at pictures because my first thought was, yes, tarant- tarantulas. Uh, so the, huh. the story goes, like, according to local legend, according to legend, in the 15th or 16th century... A woman was napping in the field. She was bitten by this spider, this tarantula. Leaping upwards, the venom caused the woman to dance around. She danced towards the town center. Others joined in, and it supposedly went on for days. Everyone's drinking wine and dancing, which, like, one could argue that the wine may have been influencing the dancing a little bit more than the spider bite, but that's neither here nor there. Sure. Basically, the belief is that the only way to, like, cure the venom is to... Jazz hands. Like, jazz hands (laughs) it out of your body. Just, you know, fossey, 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 fossey. Jazz square, jazz square, jazz square, jazz square. Oh, my God.
1: I feel like it's a combination of a panic attack and
0: wine. Right? Which is mostly my life. Oh, shoot. That was such a good... Set up. Sorry, I didn't
1: mean to do that. To you. <laughs> uh, so the the um
0: like the dance has evolved. It is it is again a, a legitimate dance. It kind of became more of like a courtship dance. Um, sure. It's with no the spider. Lo- it's no longer really associated with spider bites, but it is it is. And, and the idea of the spider bites kind of commonly looked on as bunk. But, like, it's a really interesting example. And it's a fun story. It's, man, it's a great story. Like, I wish the Hustle had as interesting an origin story. Dang. Other than, like, disco. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so, 1278. There was an account of people, and the number, wow, the number ranged greatly depending on what you were reading. I read everywhere from 18 people to 200 people. What? But according to this account, a large group of people are dancing on a bridge over the river Meuse, which is this, like, huge-ass river in Europe. Okay. And the bridge collapsed as a result. Oh, no! Collapsed from dancing. Yikes. On June 24th of 1374 in the city of Achen, which is now uh, Germany, but at that time was part, again, of the Holy Roman Empire. Okay. This is one of the first major recorded instances of people leaving their houses to take to the streets to dance. It was not the first, but it was one of the biggest, and and people look at it as being very significant. Uh, It happened about 44 years before the plague that struck Strasbourg. It became known as the St. John's Dance. And much like what would happen in Strasbourg, people would dance until they fell over exhausted. Injustice Friedrich Karl Hecker, hashtag Kim's favorite names, What a name. Yep. His book, it was published in 1888. It was called The Black Death and the Dancing Mania. He writes about St. John's Dance. They formed circles hand in hand and appearing to have lost all control over their senses, continued dancing regardless of the bystanders for hours together in wild delirium until at length they fell to the ground in a state of exhaustion. They then complained of extreme oppression and groaned as if in the agonies of death until they were swathed in cloths bound tightly around their waists, upon which they again recovered and remained free from complaint until the next attack. Dang. But does this sound familiar? It's very similar to what was being reported with St. Vitus. Okay. There are records of a Swiss monk who danced himself to death in June of 1442. Another case of a woman dancing for a whole month in the 1530s, again, in Switzerland. And these are, again, these are just a couple examples of this hysterical dancing that was popping up specifically in this time period of, like, the the 1200s to the 1500s, 1600s. Mm-hmm. Now, again, with individuals, it is it is really, really important to, to say that um, the definition of dance is very fast and loose. and And these one-on-one-offs, these people who, who were not a group of people dancing, but were just individuals dancing, they very well could have been suffering from a neurological condition, epilepsy. Um, but that comes back to the idea that, that there was probably not one cause of all of these, but this idea of dancing carries significance. Because what else does a compulsion to dance bring to mind? Is there any story, if I'm like, Story of people dancing. Story of children dancing. Does that make you think of anything? I think on a normal day, sure. <laughs> You're but very, very brain, tired. You're very, very tired. It's okay. I didn't prep you for this. My brain is not working I didn't, very well
1: currently. I didn't
0: tell you I was going to ask you this but question. There's
1: a, there's, a, there's a story of a dude, a piper dude with a, with a flute.
0: Yes, the pipe piper. Oh, wow. Okay. You got it, girl. You got it. Even though I have a dead brain, I got it. Wow, d- okay. All right. The story of the Pied Piper originated in Hamelin, Germany, sometime during the Middle Ages. In the story, the town is suffering from an infestation of rats. A man dressed yes. in pied, which means um, colorfully patched, so like very colorfully mismatched patch clothing. He says, I can solve your problem. I can solve your rat problem for 1,000 guilders. Mayor is desperate. Town is desperate. They're like, yes, we'll pay you anything. He plays his magical flute, leads all the rats to the water. They drown. That's so mean. He goes to get paid. (laughs) And again, depending on the version of the story, he's either completely refused his payment or he's paid a very, very small amount compared to what they agreed upon. So the Pied Piper plays his music. He lures the 130 children in the town out of their homes, dancing to his music and they are led away, never to be seen again. Wow, that story is way darker (laughs) than I thought it was. It gets better because it seems to be rooted in truth. Oh, dang, really? So I read this BBC article, and there is a plaque in a house in Hamlin, Germany, and it reads, quote, A.D. 1284, on the 26th of June, the day of St. John and St. Paul, 130 children born in Hamelin, were led out of the town by a piper wearing multicolored clothes. After passing the Calvary near the Coppenberg, they disappeared forever. And there is a reference in the town records in 1384 that says it is a hundred years since our children left. Now, the further down the rabbit hole I went with this portion of my research, the more I realized this could easily be its very own episode. So I'm not going to I'm not going to bore you too much by completely shifting over to this whole other topic. Um, But the theories about what happened ranged from like organized migration or even a children's crusade. But to bring it back on topic in the 13th century. The same century the Pied Piper story originated from, there's another reported outbreak of dancing in the city of Erfurt, which is just south of Hamelin. And it is said to have afflicted the youths of the town who danced out of town all the way to a neighboring town, 12 and a half miles away. So could there also oh, be a connection to that story? It's possible, but also look for a future episode where Kim further geeks out about the Pied Piper <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited. I was ready for you to geek out now. Man, I had to, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I had to hold myself back because this was one of the last stories I started researching and I started to go so deeply down the rabbit hole and I was like, I am not researching the Pied Piper right now, but also, what? What?
1: Yeah, that's wild. That's so much darker. I didn't even know it had anything to do with children. I just remembered the rat part.
0: Well, because that was the whole point, that he did the rats, but then they didn't pay him. But yeah, anyway, bygones. Um, I I could keep listing things, but it's all going to be kind of a variation on the same theme. And it mostly died out. At least the dancing died out. Pun intended. But it is important (laughs) to note that mass hysteria is a phenomenon. Has not died out. It is alive and well and living in Paris. Oh, yes, it is. Uh More recently, there was a case in 2002 in North Carolina of 10 high school girls who suffered seizures over five months. In 2008 in Tasmania, there were girls fainting during their final exams. My personal favorite in 2016, the 2016 clown sightings, leading to one of my all time favorite Vox quotes. Oh, no. The Great Clown Panic of 2016 has been perpetuated by pretty much everyone except actual clowns. Oh, no. So was it mass hysteria that started all of this? Very possibly. I I think a combination of that and exaggeration with maybe some medical things sprinkled in for good measure. Um, But again, we are never going to know for sure. What do you think? Do you have any theories or do you think mass hysteria?
1: Honestly, I think mass hysteria is probably the the closest one. Also, like, I think at that time medical knowledge was so limited that, like, it could have been a combination of a couple things.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know? I, I'm with you there. I don't. And again, looking at all these different instances, I don't think there was just one root cause of all of it. I think. No. Um, yeah. There was a lot of other things going
1: on. And there's a lot of overlap. I think what's really interesting about it is the not just one instance of it. I think Mm -hmm. it's the, like, yes, there's that really big one that happened, but, like, the one-offs that repeatedly happen.
0: Well, and Um, the one-offs to me are the ones that are more likely to be something medical.
1: Right, which is what I was going to say, too. Like, depending on how many people were involved, it just, it reeks of the salem witch trials of like the mass hysteria that happened from accusing
0: people and of possibly like, being poisoned by toxic mold that caused hallucinations just that perfect storm really
1: of <laughs> fucked up shit uh one way to put it mm-hmm. but um i i just genuinely love that the result was dancing um uh, yeah that is it makes it a
0: little easier to talk about <laughs> As an epidemic, I guess. Uh, well, because you're, you're not you're not dealing with something that's leaving people with, like, pustules.
1: <laughs> no, just, you know, sore feet and mm-hmm. uh, exhaustion um, and sometimes death. And but sometimes hey, death, yeah. You know, dance until you're dead kind of gives that phrase a new meaning. Dance until uh, you're up. Yep, or that, too, you know. Um what an interesting topic! That was fun. Uh,
0: you know, again, I needed I needed something not quite so heavy after my my last uh, uh, Pedro Lopez episode, and and this was this was kind of a fun one to go down, and and I I'm, I legitimately am going to come back to the Pied Piper. I never. Yeah that's
1: (laughs) wild. That's also just like I love when we find a little golden egg within the research that we do when we don't expect it Mm -hmm. but you find something and you're like "Ooh, look at that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not the most uh, wonderful expected thing but this time (laughs) (laughs) this time it was a pleasant surprise and honestly something that like most people have heard about but to hear context of it and how it related to stuff actually happening during that time is really interesting.
0: Well, and it was one again too, that, that very much took me by surprise because I, I was familiar with the story, but I had no idea that there, that it was potentially rooted in an actual incident. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised it was rooted in an
1: actual incident, but pleasantly educated. (laughs) I like that. A good time. Mm-hmm. I like when it's it's something that's historically accurate sure. as opposed to just a story. So, always fun. Thanks, Kim.
0: Yeah, great. That was great. Uh, that is the Dancing Plague of 1518, uh, along with a smattering of other random tidbits of information for your mind to digest. And what did we call it? The Shenanigan Plague.
1: The Shenanigan Plague. <laughs> shenanigan Dance Plague. Shenanigans! And this brings us to Creepy Critics Corner, Creepy Critics Corner.
0: Kim, what you watching? Uh, Well, I've been playing a little bit of catch up because I'm recording an end of 2021 episode with City of Geek where we're going to be doing our our top 10 of the year. So I've been Mm -hmm. trying to like watch a bunch of movies I haven't seen yet. Uh, One movie I watched was a movie called The Medium. It is a Thai horror film. I've heard of it. I haven't
1: seen it, but I've heard of it.
0: (sighs) It's um, a lot. I will say... Close to three hours long or it's, it's maybe it's two and a half hours. It's a decently long movie. It's not, maybe it's not three hours. It was maybe like two and a half hours. Uh, but the, the screenwriter of the wailing, which was another favorite of mine, uh, he wrote the screenplay and the, the man who directed it, he directed, um, the movie shutter, uh, back in 2004 or something like that. uh, the premise of it is this this woman who is a shaman in in this region of thailand and she has the, embodies this local deity and it's a deity that's that's kind of passed on from from the women in her family so her grandmother had this deity within her and her aunt did, and her older sister was supposed to be the one to take on the deity, but her older sister Mm -hmm. didn't want to, so she took this deity on. So this woman, um, she goes to attend her brother-in-law's funeral. Her brother-in-law passed from cancer. And she starts noticing that something's going on with her niece. Her niece is experiencing some kind of supernatural phenomena. So the this whole thing is presented as as a mockumentary. It's it's a faux documentary, and and part of mm-hmm. why I think this landed with me as much as it did, is it feels very very real. Um, I, I liken it too, and the only thing I can think to liken it to is that like I, I saw The Exorcist late. I saw The Exorcist. I was in my twenties by the time I saw it. Yeah, it was not a movie that left a lasting i mean it's a brilliant film but it didn't scare sure. me okay this movie feels so real it's it's what i imagine maybe especially catholics who saw the exorcist back in the 70s felt oh dang if it got to you then then it's got to be pretty it's intense. like again i wouldn't it's not it, I'm so jaded, very little scares me, but it it left a very lasting impression with me. It, it's a rough watch. It is a hard, hard, hard movie to watch. Um, again, because it feels very, very real, but it is fantastically done. Okay. Uh so the medium, the other one, and you and I were briefly talking about this before we started recording. I went and saw in theaters, and so did you. Yes. Same weekend, different times. Same weekend, different times. A movie called Nightmare Alley.
1: Ooh, I can't wait to talk about this. Should we give a spoiler alert? Uh, I suppose or do you want so. Me I mean, more vague about it's, it. It's
0: it's. I don't think we should directly spoil it. I think we can stay vague. I will say, like, it okay. is based on a novel, and there is Correct. another movie called Nightmare Alley that is based on the same novel that came out in the forties. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. um... It's not technically a remake since it's based on a book, but uh, my God, the cast.
1: Oh, my God. Yes. And I I cannot look at Bradley Cooper (laughs) the same way ever again. Genuinely. Like, I personally am not the hugest fan of his. Like, he's not really, like, given me anything to write home about other than, you know, I mean. He plays a good raccoon. Yeah, but I think you know, with with this movie, a side of him was shown that we haven't seen before, uh, and a talent of his is shown that I haven't seen before. And like, I can't, I can't look at him the same way. It's really funny. I went to see it the day that it came out, and so at the movie theater, they give you a poster. So we got a movie poster, nice. for it, and it's a it's a picture of him, but I can't look at it. <laughs> I can't look at it. Um, but. Oh my gosh, the like noir undertones mm. of it, and just the way it was shot. Mm-hmm. Fuck, Guillermo del well, I, mean, I love Guillermo him so drool. much. I love him so much. Mm. Like just his aesthetic in general is so mm-hmm. just. It just sucks you in in a way that I don't think anyone else
0: can. Um, when he creates and such a specific aesthetic. world yeah. that feels like. It's rooted in reality in the sense that the historical events happening around it, and I mean, this can be said about a lot of his work. I mean, yeah, even Pan's sure. Labyrinth, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the- He did Crimson Peak. Crims, the Devil's um, Backbone, which, you know, you have these supernatural things. You have this fantastical element, this fantasy element, but they're rooted in real events. You've got the wars yeah. going on both in, in Pan's Labyrinth and Devil's Backbone, Um And with this, you have – they reference World War II. You have the depression that's happening. Absolutely, yeah. um, The Dust Bowl and all of this. So you have this very specific kind of otherworldly thing happening in a place where our real history is still very much grounded, if that makes sense. And
1: just like the visual references of that period of time Mm -hmm. in this film specifically. Yeah. And the detail of the sets and the costuming and just the way everything was done was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, it really made me, uh, it reminded me of a book I read a long time ago uh, that was one of my favorites for a very long time called Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. Mm. I don't know if you ever read that, yeah. but it's about a young girl who is deformed and in a freak show in the 30s mm. who is, she's the geek. She geeks the chicken. Um, and. It's called Geek Love because it's a teen angst story from the perspective of someone in a freak show in the 30s. Um, and it's a great book, but it fully, like, remind This, this movie reminded me of that book, um, which is not relevant to the storyline at all. It just reminded me of it. But great book also if you want a book <laughs> to read. Uh, kind of a creepy critic's corner within a creepy critic's corner moment. But oh, my gosh, that movie was so good. It just, like, left me with the feels. And, like, of course, it's got, like, the classic... There was a moment in it that reminded me, actually, of Crimson Peak with the apparition um, Mm. that looked very visually similar Mm -hmm. to the way that Edith looks in Crimson Peak toward the end. Um, But I loved... The play that they did on spirituality in this, mm-hmm. and how they spoke to—I thought that you would be so excited to talk about it because he fully like just a bunch of scullies in a Moulder world, really. Um, well, it's—it's.
0: Of- it's, I mean, it's the Spook Show, and it's showing you all yeah. the tricks of why. Um, it's funny. I I went and saw this movie with a a friend of mine who's actually a former student, so she's she's younger, and one of her comments was that she didn't find something about the what they were doing realistic and i was like you know that like being a mentalist doing spook shows doing all of that that was a thing that was real that was real that is still real you're john edwards you're there's there's these this way of doing these readings and you get these hits and you start very broad and you work your way down like that's a thing that still happens today and she had no idea. So it, it was a really interesting conversation because I'm like, huh. well I, I like when I was younger, John Edwards is the one that comes to mind the most. But there was a there was a big movement in the 2000s of the mediums, the you know, the Hollywood medium and and again, mm-hmm. I I keep coming back to John Edwards cuz his show was really popular. But these talking to the dead shows, but what they what they don't show you in these shows is, is how often they're missing. Like they're, they're not saying the correct thing. And part of that is, again, you see it for a moment in the movie where, where yep. she's trying to recover and she says the thing about like siblings. And she's like, no, just one. Well, I have the dead brother. And she's like, oh, well, that's what I'm feeling because I feel him here with you. His hand is on your shoulder. Yeah, and then recovered, mm-hmm. and now she's good. But it's yeah, it's, it's it's wild. It's all about reading people. It's all about yeah. you know, yeah. No, it's 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 uh, very well done. Again, I love his aesthetic. I love the worlds he creates are so beautiful yes. and so specific, and somehow accurate to the time period, but still heightened and almost like fantastic at the yes. same time. Yes, very fantastic. Um,
1: and i think like to the with this particular one and Geraldo toro has a way of um his pacing is interesting mm-hmm. generally speaking like he's usually pretty slow burn for a while and then like sneaks up on you toward the end um, he's never rushed you.
0: he's never rushed
1: no not and then but everything always accumulates like at mm-hmm. the end mm-hmm. in some way shape or form and it then that all happens pretty quickly and then it's over mm-hmm. um and He did a great job at that with this film. I did feel like it was a little slower than some of his other films in the first half,
0: which is funny because because... I didn't feel that.
1: Really? Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. Perspective. But
0: I mean, it's it's to be fair too. I've been watching a lot of like three hour long (laughs) (laughs) horror films, and I have not. So there's times like ah, this was thought the pacing of this was fine, but yes.
1: If you're not used to watching three-hour-long horror films, it's a little different. Um, but I thought it was great. Honestly, like, that was the was first beautiful. movie I've seen yeah. in a movie theater since 2019. So I was very excited to go to the movies. Uh, I know you've been to the movies since then. <laughs> Many times.
0: I I went – I was talking about this with my friend the other day. that like, there was this brief window in fall of 2020 where the movies were open. And um, Halloween – day which was a saturday i had uh online classes that morning but then i bought a ticket to see some god-awful horror i was uh child's play no that's not right come play with me (laughs) come play with me something like that come play with me it was the girl from community anyway but there was no one else in the theater but uh i went to to see a movie in theaters on halloween 2020 and there was no one in the theater and it was lovely
1: that does sound quite lovely. It's one um, my favorite things. Nice.
0: One of Kim's yeah, about, favorite anyway, things. Yes. Kim's favorite things. Movies. Movies. Uh, but no, the I would highly recommend it again. It's it's a if you're a fan of Guillermo del Toro, you'll probably like this film. If for no other reason than he creates a beautiful world and the acting is across the board, really great. So good. Kate Blanchett, man. Oh my god, I'd I would watch so her do like. You know, it's funny, I I was revisiting a couple uh, horror films from the last 20 years recently that were not commercially successful, but that I liked, like mm. Gothica is one that comes to mind, um, Gothica was a movie with uh, Halle Berry and um, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. was in it, Penelope Cruz yeah. was in it, um, Charles S. Dutton and John Carroll Lynch. I mean, like you had this powerhouse cast, like the movie's not great, but the actors in it are so good that I'm there with it, but it was not commercially successful and, and it, it got panned by critics, but it was part of a number of movies where I was like, you have such strong, strong, strong actors in this. I, I can't help, but just say yes. ands the whole time. And I think when you have a really, really good cast, it does not matter. You're going to say, your audience is going to say yes and because the acting is so good. There's not yeah. a bad performance in this whole movie. Yeah. I feel you on that. Um,
1: I haven't watched like anything else. I literally went and watched that movie and have been, well, no, I finished um, Ted Lasso. <gasps> Yay. Roy Kent, Which man. was fun. Roy Kent, and I, was, I, I didn't even realize that they, they released a, um, little, oh, a little Christmas play uh, animation Christmas yes, thing. Yes, it's which super is, cute. It's, it's like five minutes long, but I love the portrayal of uh, Roy Kent's eyebrows in it. Um, <laughs> uh, that was fun. Got to watch that. I actually powered through all of season two of Pen15, hmm. which... Um, I'm not going to lie. There's definitely some, like, traumatic moments in that that I, going through, like, young teenage stuff in the same period of time that they did and what they're depicting, was kind of tough to watch <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and less funny than uh, more, you know, just life tra- life trauma. <laughs> sure. Um, which... Is somewhat expected with that show, but they really rounded it out at the end. And it's, like, the last finale, finale of the show because it got canceled. So um, it was good, though. It just maybe not for everyone. Yeah. Um, I've actually – I've never watched the show,
0: but it's been on my list for a while.
1: Yeah, it's it's really um, an interesting take on basically uh, two preteen slash teenage girls, like 12 years old, 13, um, that are best friends – that are played by adults in a world of children. That's right. Um, and it's funny because it takes place in like 1998, 1999, I think. And so it was like in the prime, maybe 2000, but like around that period of time. Mm-hmm. And so there's the 90s are so strong, like late 90s, early 2000s, super strong within that one. Like it literally shows like Tamagotchis and like oh. the ring that has chapstick in it that you flip open and do a little dealie dad thing with. And like, anyway, it's, it's great. It's definitely, it has a lot of Easter eggs in it of like what was going on back then. And if you were around and a teenager and a young girl at that time, you probably had all the things they had. Um, But then there's also some truth within experience and, you know, growing up and what they had to deal with in the process of awkwardness and like self-identification and, um family struggles Mm. and divorce and just how tough like middle school and high school can be um Mm -hmm. so while yes there are funny moments it is definitely more of it has its drama (laughs) moments as well um it will never stop being uncomfortable for me to watch them as adult grown women kiss a young 12 year old boy um which is funny But also a little weird, you know? I don't know if it's, like, someone else is doing it, but, uh, yeah. That's (laughs) Pen15. Um, and that's what I've been watching.
0: I did see, I will say, I did see the new Spider-Man. I... Oh, how was it? Oh, my God! Gabby, I loved it. I loved it so much. I loved it so hard, I want to go see it again. I might have to go see
1: it with Terrence,
0: so so, so, I'll keep you posted what I do. It's so... It was everything I needed it to be. We'll let you know if I see it. Yeah, no, no, no. Because I, I don't want to say anything more, but I I adored it. Nice.
1: Well, uh, this brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh-huh. If you like what we do, uh, I mean, if you just want to know where all of our information is, check it out on ghoulishtendencies.com. All of our show notes, all of our references. All of our social media's are on there as well, as well as our Patreon. So if you like what we do and would like to financially contribute to help us make this uh, wonderful podcast happen for y'all, there's a lovely Patreon uh, account for us under Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast with some fun bloopers, which we'll be getting a uh, little facelift
0: starting 2022. Yes, yeah, look out for it. We're going to have some more incentives.
1: Ooh, it'll be really fun. Uh Um, And then we also, if you like what we do, but you can't financially contribute, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. Let us know how much you enjoy um, what we do, if you do, and refer us to your friends, man. Uh It's all about word of mouth. Um, But anyway, having said that, um, thank you so much for listening. And stay
0: spooky